Hi, welcome. Um, my name is Julia. Also, as Laura said, it's awesome that you guys came along tonight. I, but I was a little bit miffed for it because always it'd be like you, me, and the band. I got left out. Oh. <laughs> oh. Hey, no, it is awesome to have you along tonight. And um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked to get the chance to share with you tonight. And um, if you've sort of, if you've been around church the last couple of weeks, and uh, we've been talking about this year, what does it mean to actually respond? What does it mean to respond to God and what, and what he's doing? And, and the, this idea of our yes, what does our yes actually mean? And as I was kind of, you know, thinking and, and praying about, about what to share and thinking about what does our yes actually look like? And I was reminded of um, the story in, in Matthew 4 when Jesus calls his first disciples. And um. So it says in Matthew 4, verse 18, it says, As Jesus was walking the side of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come and follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. So culturally there's a little bit more kind of going on at the time. Like it's not like he rocked up to Littleton, found some fishermen, and was like, hey guys, come follow me. And they're like, yeah, sure, let's go. Like, there was, there was some stuff that was going on that, that these guys weren't, they weren't sort of your upper class. They were fishermen. They were common people, you know. And, and there was, Jesus was in this place where there were, he, they knew that he was willing to teach them something, that there was, he was calling them to say, learn, learn from me. Come and be a part of this. And I thought, how often do we kind of start in that place where we go, we just kind of feel like common people, and there's a sense of Jesus calling us and saying, come and follow me. And our response to that can be a yes. Our response to following Jesus. And, and from there, we sort of look at, at this, the, this story, the journey that Jesus sort of takes his disciples on. So you've got in, in chapter 4, he's calling them. And then in chapter 5, he starts teaching them. And if, if you've got your Bibles with you on your phones, you know, um, or you might even know it, there's this, this yes when he, he said, come and follow me. It was an invitation to the kingdom. But then in chapter 5, Jesus starts talking to them about what this kingdom actually looks like. And um, so he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are, the people, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil things against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is the reward in heaven. Can you imagine the disciples sitting there going, what the heck have we just signed up for? what are you talking about? Blessed are these people. Because in their framework, in their world, and everything that they have grown up with, 
those are not the people that are blessed. And how often do we come to Jesus and we start learning about this kingdom and going, what on earth is going on? Jesus says, come and follow me. He gives us an invitation to the kingdom and we say yes and then we go, what the heck have we done? What does this look like? Because all of a sudden we have been invited to be a part of this upside down kingdom where all of this stuff is like the wrong way around. And you're like, what do you mean that these are the people that are blessed? What do you mean that... um, that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be the ones that are filled. What does it mean those who mourn will be comforted? What does it mean that the meek will inherit the earth? Like, what is going on with this? But what the invitation to the kingdom does, when we say yes to it, Jesus is trying to show that something within us changes. Something within us turns upside down. Something within us is different. Because then he goes on to say, because you are the salt of the earth. And if a salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? There's something about them, something about you that is going to shift and change that which is around you, that which you are in and amongst. Something's going to shift in those places. And he says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put a lamp under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And he's going, something about this upside-down kingdom does something that doesn't always make sense within us. Something about what Jesus is doing with this teaching, with this kingdom as we follow him. Something shifts and changes within us in a way that we can't explain. But it also produces something that is different to other people. Something that changes the atmosphere around us. Something that people around us notice and go, what is it about you? Because there's an upside down kingdom within us. See, when I say yes to the kingdom, I'm also saying yes to the mystery that comes with it. There is so much about Jesus and about his kingdom that we don't understand. We're never going to be able to understand it all. But instead, when I choose to make my decision to say yes to following Jesus, I'm making a decision to live in a relationship with a God who exists outside of time and space. I get to live in a relationship with the Creator. And that is forever going to blow my mind. If I can make sense of that, then I don't know if that's the kind of God that I want to follow. If he's a God who fits within my parameters, within my understanding, how big actually is that God? But instead, a God who exists outside of time and space invites us to be part of a relationship, to show us the wonders of his creation, to put within us this upside-down kingdom that somehow shapes and changes us. When I say yes to the kingdom, I say yes to the mystery of the unknown. See, this God operates under a kingdom currency. It's like, it's like I get paid in Australian dollars and then I come and I bring that to God who then exchanges that for a thousand Thai baht who gives it back to me and then says, 
now you can go and buy 50 New Zealand dollars. There's something about the exchange that happens with this God within this kingdom that releases something different within us. See, I was, I was thinking about it the other week, and, and just the last few weeks, there's been some stuff that's kind of hurt. And it's almost like I've been paid in that hurt, in that offense, in the $10, in the Australian. And it's like, it's like, yeah, what use is it now? You know, it's like I get paid in this offense. But what I have the ability to do is to come and to bring that before God. And as I was talking with a friend and she was like, you actually need to forgive. And I was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) You know, we talk about it. Sometimes we talk about it in the big stuff. But actually, it's in those little things. It's in those offense. And she was like, actually, you've got to forgive. And it's like I'm bringing my offense and I'm laying it down before God. And God actually goes, I've given you the ability through him to be able to extend forgiveness because of this relationship, because of who he is and what he's done in my life. And it's like in that forgiveness, he pays me back with the, with the 10,000 baht. And then within that, I can go and I can exchange that for peace and I can exchange that for grace and I can operate in a different currency to that which I was paid in because of what God has done within me. See, that's the mystery of the kingdom. When I say yes to the kingdom, I say yes to the mystery. I don't understand how he works it all out, but I know that that's what he does. He will take our sorrow and replace it for joy. See, then God says, when we're able to to turn around and pay in our different currency, when we're operating in something different, it starts to get the attention of the people around us because so many of them are still walking around with their Australian dollars going, man, what do I do with this? I can't operate. I I can't do anything within New Zealand with Australian money. But suddenly within the kingdom, we have this currency to be able to operate differently. And as, as Jesus goes on from, from talking about those, those beatitudes and, and saying something's going to shift, something's going to change, that you're not always going to understand. But if you can, can kind of reconcile that and find peace with that, something's going to shift and change within you that's going to make you different in your life. And then it says, it says, um, okay, what does it say? What does it say? It's a very good question. Um, and then goes on and says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. It's because they notice something different, because we're operating in a different currency under a different kind of kingdom. See, it's, it's a little bit like this, and I'm going to put a diagram up on, on the screen. Cool, thanks, Charles. So it's this, this tension of the now but not yet. So I've talked about it a little bit before. Chris Hannah's got a big smile on his face. Um, so we've got down this, uh, this in the present age. So we're looking, that's kind of like the Old Testament, all right, if we're coming up to that point. It's the exile, it's the oppression, it's the reign of sin and death. And then we get to this point where Jesus comes into the mix. This time when God has appointed and we have Jesus' life, his teaching, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. And something within that 
when that alone, how do we even begin to understand that? The mystery of a virgin birth, uh, an innocent guy being killed, being resurrected from the dead, and then an ascension into heaven. See, if we can reconcile that mystery and understand that God is working in and through that, that he exists outside of time and space and that he is doing something that is bigger than us, that in that place he was exchanging currency, that it then ushers in this place of the now but not yet kingdom that began. As the Holy Spirit was poured out on his people, something shifted and changed and the upside down kingdom started to operate in its currency. It became accessible to people. People were able to bring their sorrow and their offense and and be able to bring that before that and have that exchange for peace and love and joy. But Jesus hasn't returned yet. So we're in this in-between place where his kingdom is here, but it isn't here in all its fullness yet. And so we sit in this place with the tension of the mystery of the parts that we don't understand, where we see God's kingdom come, where we see healings, where we see people set free, but we don't see it all the time. But we know that it is coming. But are we ready yet for Jesus' return? Because the reality is when Jesus returns, there's going to be an accountability for all our actions. See, are we ready to actually stand before the throne of God? Are we ready to actually see our Jesus face to face? Because God's grace and his love and his mercy is working within us and he is giving us time to restore and redeem. He's giving us time and he's working through us because his heart's desire is that none should perish. But he so loved the world. He so loved the world that he brought in this different currency that he's like, start operating in this. You can be salt and light, that people will notice that you are operating in something different and that they will see that their God is doing something. They will see that Jesus came, that something changed because there's no way you can get that currency otherwise. And when he comes, that's when the kingdom is going to be here in all its fullness. The full restoration of the kingdom complete freedom from oppression. No more tears, no more pain, no more sickness, no more death. The reign of the Messiah and the presence of God will be fully poured out. We will get to walk in the garden again with our God in that kind of close relationship. But for now, we live in the place where it doesn't always make sense. When he says, come and follow me, an invitation to the kingdom is also a yes to the mystery. So I wonder if we can just kind of explain it another way. I'm just going to try something a little bit different just to um, illustrate this and what this looks like. And I wonder if, if just for a moment you'll close your eyes. I'm just going to use your imagination I want you to picture a massive rolling valley. You're standing at the the pinnacle at the top of the valley and you're looking down and there's something beautiful and rugged about it. It stretches as far as your eye can see. There are these beautiful big trees and there's something about it that just kind of takes your breath away. And in the middle, in the bottom of the valley, It's this incredible castle. 
this beautiful, beautiful place that has been created. And as you stand there and as you look, wrapped around it all as these vines, this overgrowing that's taken over us through all the trees, it's through all the undergrowth, it's climbing up the walls of the castle. It's just kind of penetrated everything. And then in amongst it, as you start to, to look around, you see something start to kind of rustle underfoot. And you notice that there's snakes everywhere. And you notice it in this beautiful creation. You know that it's just going to be tough to get down there to that palace. But you look down in your hands and you see that there is the most beautifully crafted sword. And as you look to the left and to the right of you, there's soldiers, ones just like you, that are also looking down and going, man, there is this incredible sword. You realize it is sharp, it is strong, it is powerful. And you know that the object is to get down to the castle. So you all start making your way through and you start cutting away the vines. You start cutting away the snakes and you start defending yourself and you start making a path towards it. There's light that's coming down. There's still beauty within this valley. But everywhere you look, there's vines and there's snakes and you're like, man, what is going on? But then as you're walking, as you're fighting, as you're swinging your sword, as, as everyone is sweating and you're looking and you're starting to grow weary and from side to side, everyone's feeling the same. And then in the distance, you start to hear something. And it starts to grow. And you can hear the sound starting to come up over the hill. You can hear the sound starting to roll down in the valley and something within you stirs because you know what it is. It's the drums of the king because the castle is the king's. The valley is the king's. This is the place that the king is calling home. This is the place that the king has created for you. And you know that the king is coming back. He's bringing reinforcements. He's bringing an army and you know that it is powerful and it starts to rally something inside of you. So you guys can open your eyes because I think that that's what the kingdom's meant to be like. That's the place where we live. We live in that place in the mystery where we're in the valley and we can see the castle, but we can hear that the king is coming over the hills. Church, this is where he's calling us to rise up. He's the one who placed the sword within our hand and he wants us to live in a place knowing that he is coming, living with that feeling that rises up knowing he is just over the hill, that he is all-powerful. There is nothing in that valley that is going to defeat him. So when I say yes to the kingdom, I say yes to the mystery. One day you're going to get to stand before God and you're going to get to ask him all your questions. Some of them I think that we have when we see him, we're not going to need to know the answers to anymore. But right now it's, a, it's making peace with the mystery. And I guess I want to encourage you tonight, don't let the mystery 
rob you of the adventure of your yes. When you decide to say yes to God tonight, and this year when maybe there's a face step, when there's something that stretches you and you're like, but I don't know how all this works. I don't know why this has happened. I don't know the things that don't, you know, the things that don't make sense and make you question why, where, how, is it really God? To sit with those things and to know that it's all okay to say yes. That God is still faithful in the mystery. He is still powerful. His kingdom is still coming. And to listen for the drums, to listen for the drums and to trust in his authority that the valley is his. The kingdom is his, and he's invited you to be part of it, and he's placed within you everything that you need to do to see it come to pass. You know, I'd love to ask the band to come back, and as we go into a time of worship, we're going to sing the song, So Will I. And I just wonder if tonight maybe something in your heart will rise as we sing, as all creation will sing his praises. And amongst your questions and amongst the things that don't make sense in life, Would you say yes to the kingdom and would you say yes to the mystery? Would you trust that God is still in that place and that the king is still coming?